Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? If they're next to you and their name is Freddie, say, hey, are you ready, Freddie? <laughs> if they're not Freddie, well, okay. Listen, today's going to be a challenge for all of us because how many of you ever get angry? Raise your hand. You, got, you get angry. How many of you got angry this morning before church? You know, you said, ah, yeah. You know, I remember when the kids were small and, um, you know, trying to get four kids ready for church. And you got to find their shoes and, and you, you know, and different things like this. And sometimes, you know, the kids can be kids and, you know, and, and you get into church and you're all frustrated beforehand because you can't find this, you couldn't find this. One of the kids took it, you know, your keys, you can't find the keys. And, and, and you get to church and you're like, how's everything? Oh, it's going great. A little while ago, though, things weren't going so great. Sometimes... We all sometimes get angry. We get upset. Well, as you know, last week we talked about when anger leads you. And that's a problem when anger leads us. When our emotion uh, comes out. Here's a problem. We talked about this last week. But you can get to a point where you're so built up with so much stuff that it just takes a little bit. Something so small. And when that something so small comes out, you just lash out on someone. You just, I call it the overflow. The reason why you have that overflow, you get so, because you're holding on to so much stuff. And that, is a, that will affect you big time. That's why you can't hold on. You got to let it go. You got to do like Frozen. Come on, everybody just go like this. Let it go. Let it go. I ain't going to sing it. Because anyway. um, cold does bother me. Is that anybody like? <laughs> um, so last week we talked about David. And his David, he's, he's in the wilderness. He's with his men. And he's bringing protection. And as he's bringing protection, he's doing it because he's hoping that he'll find favor so he can receive some supplies. Now, Nabal was a very wicked man, very hard to talk to. He was stubborn, and um, he was one that uh, was a fool. The Hebrew name means senseless. He was arrogant. And David went to him and sent, David sent some of his buddies with him, his men, and said, hey, listen, uh, give him a greeting in my name. And since we've done so much to protect all his, all his flock and all that he owns, um, and then ask him if he could help out because he's at a very joyous time right now with, with uh, sheep shearing. So it's very productive. And uh, so what happens? What happens? Nabal just really ridicules him. I mean, he, he, he attacks his character, and he, he calls him a rebel, and he doesn't want to give him anything. And he just, well, was very rude and mean. And David got so upset, so upset when he heard the news that he strapped on his sword, and all his men strapped on his sword, and he said, that's it, man. He has insulted me so much that I'm going to kill every single man and Nabal himself. In this household, I'm going to do some damage. He wants to be that like that. And David got so mad, so mad. And all of us understand anger. How many of you at one point in life, you got so mad that you did something that was truly stupid? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Yeah, yeah. If we're all honest and stuff, we all raise our hands. And if you don't want to raise your hand, they call you a liar. 
people all have gone angry. Last week, I asked you four questions. Last week, I asked you, have you ever been done wrong by someone? Have you ever been hurt by another person? Have you ever been mistreated or misunderstood or been misspoken about? People said something about you. They don't know the whole story, but they said something wrong, and they said it to someone else behind your back. Have you ever had your feelings hurt or you or something, somebody did something dirty to you, really low. But I want to ask four more questions that today is, have you ever been the one that you've done, that you were the one doing wrong? Have you ever been the one that hurt another person? Have you ever been the one that you mistreated someone or you misspoken to, uh, to them or said something about someone else? Have you ever been the one that hurt somebody? Last Wednesday, we had a little Bible quiz. It was a lot of fun as we went through the whole uh, nine lessons of David's series just to help remember a little bit. And one of the saying was this. Anybody remember this saying? Anger is like, no, thank you. Anger is like fire. It will die out, but only after leaving a path of destruction. I believe someone gave the answer before I could actually ask the question and the buzzers. So I want to talk to you about the other half of this story now, because what happens is there is a young lady named Abigail who steps into a situation that's very difficult. I don't know about you, but I have uh, experienced quite a bit different things in life and been involved in a lot of situations. And usually when there's someone in the family that has rage and anger, and can fly off the handle really quick, people don't engage that person in the family. You know what they do? They run from that person. And then all of a sudden, but Abigail, Abigail actually is now forced into a situation that she didn't ask for. I, I want you to know this woman is so precious. I, I have such, uh, a, such, I have such um, respect for for Abigail. So let's go ahead and let's look at the portion of scripture and we're going to now take off from where we left off last week and we're going to go to verse 14. This is David's anger is confronted. One of the servants told Nabal's wife Abigail, David sent messages from the desert to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us and the whole time they were were out in the fields near, near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were like a wall around us. All the time, we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do. Because disaster is hanging over our master's master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one, get this, no one can talk to. Continues on in verse 18. Abigail lost no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seers of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on a donkey. Then she told her servant, go ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband, Nabal, as she came riding her donkey into the mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met 
them. Now, let's look at what happened here because this is where we can learn a little bit. Abigail appraises the situation. And we know from the scripture, Nabal is a fool. Even his wife is going to make that clear. Nabal's wife, Abigail, she's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's wise. She's everything that Nabal's not. Abigail, her name means, and this is beautiful, my father is joy. <laughs> she hears what this foolish man, her husband, did, and she is thrust into a situation when the servant says to her, listen, this is what your husband did. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over him and his whole household. Abigail responds quickly. Now I want you to stop this for a second because when we have a problem, sometimes we're afraid to do something about a problem. Oh, what if? And, and we think it out. We think, 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 think. There are some things in life you don't have to think about. Let me give you an example. You're in a boat one day. It's really rough seas. And someone in the boat falls over. He doesn't have a life preserver on. What do we do? A, look at him and see how fast the current is taking him away from the boat. Two, yell at him and say, hey, do you know how to swim? Three, say, ha ha, that was funny. Or four, do you throw him a life preserver? Do we have to pray about it? Do we have to say, wow, he just flew over. It's rough seas. Look how fast he's going away from the boat. Maybe I should pray and say, what should I do? There are times in life we don't have to pray. And there are so many times people say, i got to pray about it. No, no, no. Let's be honest. That is just an excuse for you to somehow find a better way to get out of something you don't want to do. There are some times in life you don't have to pray about some situations. Abigail knew trouble was lurking over the household. Abigail knew that if she didn't do something quick, some bad things were going to take place. Abigail was forced to do something. Even the servant says this, think it over, see what you can do, man. I'm not touching this. You can't talk to the man, and if you do something, you're going to be in trouble with the man. I'm not touching this. Hey, it's all on you, man. You're his wife. Hmm. So what does she do? She doesn't pray about it. She acts quickly. And you're going to see this plays a part in the story. So look at the food. 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep. Now, I don't know what you know. A dressed sheep is a sheep that's ready to be cooked. It's been gutted. The head could be off. It's skinned. It is ready to be eaten. It's dressed. It's dressed for the fire. Five seers of roasted grain. A seer is about seven quarts. So it's about 35 quarts of roasted grain. A hundred cakes of raisin. 200 cakes of pressed Figs. Abigail gets all this and sends it forward. In verse 19, Abigail did this without consulting her husband. Now watch this. She isn't working against her husband. She's actually working for her husband. And why do you think she never said nothing to her husband? What do you think her husband would have said? You're not going to do that. No way, Jose. Huh? Yeah, he was a man he couldn't reason with. So he, he no way. So she said, you know what? I'm just going to act and do this thing so something doesn't happen. 
You go at the story, he's such a wicked man, no one can talk to him. Now, watch what happens here. Because this man, Nabal, is so stubborn. And I want you to think about this because not only does Abigail have to deal with David, who's in rage right now, eventually, if this gets good and she does what she's supposed to do here, she's going to have to deal with her own husband. People who are stubborn, and I hear people say this, I'm stubborn, it's just who I am. Look, if you ever say that, that's the stupidest thing you can ever say. I'm stubborn, that's just the way I am. No, no, no. Stubbornness is a choice. And when you're saying you're stubborn, stubbornness is a, as in God just is a sin of witchcraft. So when you're, I want to say I'm stubborn, well, you know, all you're doing is showing your arrogance and actually something that God does not appreciate or no like an individual because a person who's stubborn is not teachable. So I'm going to say amen. So whenever you are stubborn, you're actually being not teachable. And listen, God himself, is going to leave you alone because you're not teachable. It's just the bottom line, and, and Nabal is not teachable. He's so set in his ways. He refuses to change. Listen, saints, we are living in a world that's constantly changing. You're constantly changing. You don't wear the same clothes. You don't have the same car. Your house is changing. Everything around you is changing, but there are some things in your life that shall never be changed. Why? Just because you have a fancy towards it? Sometimes we fancy things that's not important. We got to focus on the majors, not the minors. Someone say amen. amen. And sometimes we can be so stubborn in our ways. And, and, and those who are stubborn will never admit they're wrong. Matter of fact, they know everything. You can't teach them anything because they know everything. I, I, shared, I, I believe I shared this story with, uh, with you last week. I'm not sure. But, you know, if you need help with something... And you ask someone, please, if you say, give me help, how does this work? Let someone teach you. Let someone teach you and not tell them, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Well, if you know all that, you don't need me to teach you anything. Maybe the best thing to do is be teachable and do this. Listen. Because when you listen, you learn. Look at your neighbor and say, listen and learn. Now look what 21 says. Verse 21, it says this. And David, David had just said, he's talking to his men. He's going down to do the destruction. He is ticked. He's enraged. He's convincing himself why he's doing what he's doing. He says, it's been useless, all my watching over the, this fellow's property in the desert so that nothing of his was missing. He paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David. Talks on the third person. I just love that. Be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey, bowed down before David with her face to the ground. I want you to get something. This is powerful. This is so powerful. Get this in your heart. God's divine providence. Things happen, and God knows a way of working it out. God has divine providence. And the closer you get to God, this is, this is huge, the closer you get to God, the more you can see God's divine providence. But if you're not spending God with time with God in, your, in his presence, you're not really getting to know him, you can miss what God's trying to do, only because you're not even looking to God. So here's this divine providence. She's going to meet David, and here comes David right towards her. They're on the same path. 
the definition of providence of God is, is God caring provision for his people as he guides them, helps them in their journey of faith. God wants to help you, and he has a divine providence. He will come in just at the right time. Sometimes we feel, how many have ever feel alone or overwhelmed? Raise your hand. You feel alone or overwhelmed? Yeah. I think all many times in life and seasons we'll feel overwhelmed and, or, or alone. And, and I know that I have been there many times. David had just said, it's useless watching all the fellows and says, you know, I'm going to put them all to death. He is in rage. And as David is in full of rage, he's trying to justify what he's about to do. David thinks his actions are right because he's been mistreated. He's been insulted. And all of his workers are going to pay for it. David is so focused on himself and his rage, he is not even thinking about the innocent men that have nothing to do. He is so mad over the one that he missed all the rest of them. He's so mad. And how many times, you remember, um, you know, there, people, I want to just say, you remember when people, people you may have known that all their focus is on one problem and they can't see anything else? David is so focused. It's like, it's like Mordecai. Mordecai and Haman. Haman was so focused on Mordecai, he couldn't see anything else. He was so enraged because one Jewish man would not bow to him. Everybody else did, but not Mordecai. And it drove Haman crazy. But God used one man's actions to bring down the defeat of a very powerful man. Well, David's so mad at Nabal that he's forgetting the innocent blood he's about to shed. And someone stands up to a raging man, a well-populated man, a man who will be the next king of Israel. And she's now going to have to, watch this, confront him to save her life or the life of, should say, the life of the people in her family and those that work for her. Look what it says in verse 24. Abigail intercedes for, watch this, Nabal, her husband, the men that work for him, but also intercedes for David. Verse 24. She fell at his feet and said, my Lord, let the blame be on me alone. Did you catch that? Please let your servant speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. She just called her husband, who's married to wicked. Mm. What a relationship that must have been. He is just like his name. His name is fool, and folly goes with him. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my master sent. Now, since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. This is, this is crazy. Listen to this. Abigail, a woman with heart and humility, sees David and she quickly falls to her face. Abigail demonstrates a spirit of humility before a raging man. What do you think that does to someone who is so angry and someone all of a sudden does something like that? 
Let's search it around. Let's suppose Abigail got off her horse and said, David, who do you think you are? <laughs> How do you think that would have went? How you approach a person who is angry makes all the difference in the world. If you're going to have the attitude, I'll show him, I'll show her, yeah, you're just going to put fuel to the fire. But she came with humility. She came with humbleness, and she came with a godly spirit as well. She came and listened to what she says. Abigail says, let the blame be on me. Did you catch that? When you go to a man who's full of anger and you say, blame me, you know, he just may. He just may. She don't know how he's going to respond to that. But she's saying, let me take the guilt of what my husband did. She called her husband wicked. And yet she's willing to put her life on the line. Do you see the character of this young woman? She's a special gem. She's willing to take the punishment on behalf of what someone else did. Let the blame be on me, she says. She pleads to David and says, please listen to my words. This is important because stubborn people normally don't listen. How many would say amen to that? When someone's all upset, man, and they're, their cage is enraged, man, they don't want to listen to anybody. I don't care. I don't care. Don't tell me. Mm. Stubborn people don't want to listen when, some, when, when they're angry. But she asked David, and she pleads, and she's down, and she's humility, and she says, listen, David, my master, please listen. And David shows heart and willing to listen to Abigail. A wise and godly person will listen when someone speaks. And this is the difference between a godly heart and an ungodly heart, a fleshly heart, and, and one that's submitted or committed to Christ. And I'll tell you why. Because when you find yourself in a problem, you are taking it to God, asking for help. You're not trying to beat up everybody along the way. You're taking the problem and seeking God for God. I need, I need you to help me here. Man, I am really upset, boy. And I am like a time bomb. I need you to help me. And so when all of a sudden you're asking for help, you're really in tune to what God wants to say. And when someone comes to you in the right spirit, you're willing to listen. But a person coming to you in the wrong spirit will flare you up and add fuel to the fire. Someone say amen, because we all know that's true. And so they're usually seeking the Lord and asking for help and looking for God to intervene. And so a godly person will, will have a sensitivity. Even though they're upset, they're still seeking the Lord. But a fleshly person or a carnal Christian won't be seeking the Lord because they're just bent on rage. She mentions about Nabal's character and calls him wicked, foolish, senseless. I've always kind of chuckled on that because here she is. She has a husband and I thought about the relationship right there. And sometimes, have you ever called your husband? Or maybe, you know, your wife, and you know, he could switch, and you called them wicked. When's the last time you called them wicked? That's pretty strong words, don't you think? You know, senseless, fool. Mm. Kind of shows you where the relationship was, doesn't it? 
Nevertheless, God has up to now prevented David from bringing bloodshed, but he's on his way. And she says, wait, David, I'm here to tell you, and God has already prevented you from shedding bloodshed, innocent bloodshed. And so she comes and brings this before him. Up to now, God has prevented you from doing anything. She reminds him that the Lord has been the one who has fought for him. God is the one that's taking care of his enemies. And you're going to get to see how she builds on this. She was so wise in her approach, how she approached the situation. Look what it says in verse 27. This is great. She says, and let this gift which your servant has brought to my master be given to the men who follow you. Watch this now. Please forgive your servant's offense. She's taken the blame. She's asking to be forgiven. Has she done anything wrong? No. For the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master because he fights the Lord's battle. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing to take your life and the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies will be hurled away as from a pocket of a sling. Did anybody catch that? Did you hear what she's saying? This is it's so powerful. She reminds David the gift that she brought and all this food and said, this is for you, David. This is the gift that you should have received. Then she goes on and says, forgive us, though. Forgive me for this offense. This shouldn't have happened. I, I take full blame. This is a person of character. A person of character is a person who takes blame, doesn't blame other people. People who always want to blame other people, they're lame because they blame. They don't take the responsibility. When I make a mistake, I have no problem to take the blame. I'll tell you. I can tell you a lot of things where I'm at fault at. No problem at all. But I also try to work at that once I see that. I don't just say, oh, well, that's the way it is, and I can't. No, no. There's always room for improvement. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. <laughs> oh, I just love that. So she asks for forgiveness. She reminds David of God's promise, the lasting dynasty that God's doing in his life. Watch this. Let no wrong be done and found in all your days. And she's looking out for David's future. This, she don't even know David. But she knows David's going to be the next king. And she's actually looking out and saying, David, I'm just telling you this, that I'm looking out for your future. I'm looking out for your future. Abigail brings out David's current battle, battle between him and Saul. She reminds David of all God has done and how God has been with him and protected him. And she then says this, and all your enemies will be defeated, done away with. From the pocket of a sling, she reminds David. You remember, David, you brought down Goliath? Who fought for you there, David? Who was on your side, David? David, do you remember? From a little rock, you killed this big giant. Who was doing the battle? Were you the one doing the battle? No, it was your God. And, he's tell and she's telling David, you need to simmer down. Cool your jets, big daddy-o. And recognize your God will fight on your behalf. This is beautiful. Then she lays this on him. And this is, can teach us a lot how to deal with an angry person. You know, when, you, you know, when a person's in rage, you have to understand, this is really important, why they're upset. You have to understand the why they're upset. If you can understand why they're upset, it will help you. But if you pay no attention to that, 
then you show your lack of wisdom. Verse 30 says this. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he has promised concerning him and has appointed him leader over Israel, my master will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. And when the Lord has brought my master success, I love this, remember your servant. Isn't that amazing? She is so convinced he will be the next king. And she said, oh, by the way, when you realize how I have helped you, remember your servant when you become king. The tenth thing that we can learn here is that when God has done everything he has promised for David, she's saying, David, you're going to not have this senseless bloodshed on your life because of you justifying yourself. Wasn't David justifying himself? And what was the crime? He was insulted. What was he going to do? Kill all, every single male. Think about that. Innocent bloodshed, putting things in his own hands. So many times we want to do it ourselves. You know what? I don't care. I'm doing it myself. Mm. Abigail takes it even further, David, and tells him to remember his future. You know, sometimes it helps people sometimes when you really are trying to help them on their behalf. A lot of times people help people for their own benefit. You know, it's really for their own benefit. But when a person, when you know you have a person in your, in their, in your life and they have you and, and they're trying to help you, it's nothing for them, but they're trying to help you and they have you in mind, keep those people in your life. Keep those people in your life when they're fighting on your behalf. Now look at this. David has a change of heart. David's anger totally subsides. You now see a different David. That's the same thing. When you get all bent out of shape, you don't act the same way. You kind of, when your jets are cool, right? Verse 32, 35, look what David says to this woman. David said to Abigail, Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to me. He recognizes what's going on. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought to him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. Now, you, did you catch that? David recognizes the providence of God and realized this woman is a godsend. If it wasn't for this woman, I would have made a really bad mistake. You know, God will bring people in your lives to speak to you, but you have to listen. If you want to know God, you have to seek God. And also you need to see how God's going to work things out. God has a habit of doing things so miraculous that he's not just thinking about one thing. God's always doing more than one thing. God's hand intervening in the present situation. God will help you too, whatever you're facing. Don't get a bad attitude. Don't get in a rush. Don't get frustrated. Don't get irritated. Don't let your anger and your emotions lead you. Walk in the peace of God. And this is exactly what David had to do. 
David was going through so many problems, so many problems. David humbled himself, and he heard the words of a godly woman. I want you to get this. Here's a, a military man, a strong man, a man who, and he humbled himself. You know why? He's a man after God's own heart. It's because he had humility and he was humbled. He was very, I mean, he did a lot of things where he had to eat humble pie sometimes. He wasn't afraid to say, I, I messed up. Every time David messed up, he owned it up. He said it. He wouldn't blame people. Well, you know, no. Remember, if you blame, it's lame. Look at your neighbor and just tell him that. If you blame, it's lame. David blesses her for her wise wisdom. But he also says, because of your quickness. Now, this is important for us to name. If you had not come quickly, uh, you see what the problem is? Sometimes we miss opportunity because, because, you know, we're praying for things we shouldn't have to pray for. When someone's drowning, you don't pray, well, should I help them? There are some things simple. Don't, don't, don't strain at a gnat and, and swallow a camel, right? And so she recognized that we're in deep trouble. Something, somebody has to step up. She was willing to step up and step out. She's willing to do something beyond her comfort zone. Did you get the saints doing something outside your comfort zone? Would you like to go meet someone full of rage? Someone's all upset and you got to make that phone call, uh, which I don't recommend a phone call if someone's in rage. I think it should be in person. It's a lot better than just from personal experience. <laughs> See, who wants to step into a, a, a lion? Who wants to step into a cage with a lion who's roaring and hasn't eaten for days? Huh? That's exactly when you're dealing with a, a, a man or a woman in rage. And, don't, don't, and you women, don't you think, you know, boy, I've seen some of you women in rage. Oh, sometimes I think some of you women even worse. Just saying, don't get mad at me, but I got some stories. Many people have been in my office over the years, trust me. Sometimes my jaw goes down. Huh? <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in the same house. <laughs> In some situations, David receives her words, receives the, the gifts from her. He humbles himself. And because he does, God shows him exactly what he was trying to show him. David was upset. We all get upset. And sometimes we need the providence of God to come on in and just tell us, cool your jets, but daddy -o. cool them, cool them. I'm with you. I'm going to help you. I haven't left you. I know you only see what you want to see. But listen, I got a bigger picture. I know what I'm doing. Disaster was averted. Disaster was averted because Abigail was willing to trust God, walk in faith and obedience, and walk into a difficult situation. I guarantee you she wasn't really excited about this situation at hand. She didn't know where it, go, where it was going to go. But David listened, and because he was willing to listen to reason, a great work took place. The challenge, in fact, that we can learn here is that when our heart is filled with anger and rage, our heart doesn't want to listen to God's small, still voice. When you are so enraged or you have your focus so, so, so focused that you can't see anything else. There's times in life you need a focus like that, and there's also time that same focus can hurt you, not help you. You've got to make sure it's the right focus. God is always trying to speak. But often we are so emotionally charged that we don't want to listen. Because sometimes God won't always say what we want him to say. Come on, say amen. amen. 
You know, I remember, I, remember a time, I remember a time where I went through 12 years of schooling, and it was a tough 12 years. And, and uh, this is done more since then, but 12, that was the 12 years back then. And, and all of a sudden, I am ready. I am just ready to just uh, go into inner city, just, just do it, you know? And then all of a sudden, in a very short period of time, with all the things going on, I find myself in a country church with cows, horses, chickens, and ducks. I am a city boy. I don't know about cows. I know very little about horses. I definitely never been around ducks and chickens. And all of those are in my parking lot. The horses are behind the fence. The chickens and ducks are running in the parking lot. The cows are right next to the, my office. And they're just mooing. And the whole, you know, and I'm like, I feel like I'm, uh, God, are you calling me old McDonald? I feel like I was old McDonald. Old McDonald, how to find him. I was just pastor old McDonald. I'm like, I could not believe that's what God did to me. Really, I was like, God, I cannot believe. I, I am not, I don't even know about animals. I learned how to milk a cow. I learned, I learned a lot of stuff. I milked a cow in a full suit. Yeah? Everybody in the church said, and he said, you're going to go, the farmer said to me, you're going to go change? Pfft, why? That's a waste of time. Let's just do this thing. So I went to his house, and he said, there's Betsy. Go right ahead. So I did Betsy up, man. I got a little bit of milk, you know, until she went dry. I said, oh, she's dry. She said, oh, she is, is she? That's right. You can't get, no, I can't, you, you can get nothing out of me. I, I just did it. He comes down, sits on down on the stool, and it was like she had never been milked. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. God does it differently. But we have to listen to what God's going to do because what God does in the moment is lining up another moment with lines of another moment because God knows how to light it up. But we have to listen. David listened. His heart and heart was not hard. He was upset in heart, but had a soft heart towards God. And that only comes through Listening to God, continue seeking a hunger for God. I wanted to get, not get so busy, but just, just spending time. Just spending time. Just, it's like spending time with a friend. Sometimes you spend time with a friend, and, and all of a sudden you start talking. And, and then you get into a conversation, that, and then all of a sudden you realize, wow, yeah, I never thought of that. Man, I need to work on that. But it, didn't, it was never planned. It just happens because you're just spending time with each other. And, and, and you realize, wow, I never, I never knew that about me. And you learn and you grow. If we could just learn to calm down, look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. I think. I'm not sure. But calm down. Calm down. <laughs> Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you and respond to him and not out of the flesh, but respond to him of, here I am, Lord, I'm listening. Be like Samuel when he first heard the words of the Lord. And build that relationship with God in a tender way, not religious way. People read their Bibles today because they have to. People go to church because they have to. You know what? Uh, when you feel like you have to do something, that shows a little bit of where your relationship with God. If you're not really in it to really say, okay, I'm ready, Lord, to see what you're going to do in me, through me, and here's a big one, around me. 
When I come in, when I come into church, I'm expecting God to do something for you. I don't just, this is not a job for me. Trust me. If I had to pick my job, this would not be it. This is a pleasure for me to do. To proclaim God's word, this is not a job. It's never been a job. Never, ever in my life. I could get a job. Trust me. I have plenty of opportunities there. But this is the highest occupation that anybody can possibly do is to proclaim the word of God for Almighty God. What a pleasure. What a privilege it is to be able to open the word of God and to come together with a body of Christ to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then to be able to get fired up, filled up with the power of the Spirit, to go outside these walls and share Jesus Christ with everyone. Come on, somebody in the house say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the function of the church. That's what should make your liver quiver and your boat flow when you can go out of these walls and start to share and care the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, my word. If we grab hold of it, let God fill us so we can then spread it out. Just let the love and joy of Jesus flow through you. Right? Mm. Okay, let's pick it back here. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You see, David really needed to learn what the New Testament teaches us. Paul the Apostle said it well when we looked at Romans chapter 12. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Someone say amen. amen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, <laughs> as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. In doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not... Be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how we are to live. David wasn't doing that. He was so offended, he went, justice, pay it back. So many people live like the world. They want to pay someone back because they did wrong. Someone cut you off and says, you're number one. And you say, well, you're number one too, buddy. Yeah, that, 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 shows, that shows maturity. Well, you're, going to ex- you're going to expect that from people. You need to take the higher ground. You need to, that's, it's like Jesus said, Jesus took the higher ground while he's on the cross, right? He's forgiven a thief simply because he says, remember me when you come in your kingdom. You are who you say you are. While the other one couldn't see it at all. Let me tell you the rest of the story like Paul Harvey. (laughs) Abigail eventually tells her husband. And it says in scripture, when she told him, he became like a stone. Now, I don't know if you ever read that, but when it becomes like a stone, what did that mean? Most people believe that he had a stroke. Most people, theologians, believe that to become like a stone, a person has a stroke and they can't talk, they, they, you know, they lose their functions and stuff. And for 10 days, 
he lived, and then after 10 days, he died. Now, David says, well, God has rewarded him of what the type of man he was, and David was innocent. And what's really crazy about this story is that then David goes to get Abigail to be his wife. Why did he do that? I'll tell you what. Listen, the woman was beautiful. She was intelligent. She was godly. She was one hot broad. That's a wise man right there. And she just lost her husband. And, uh, and so he ended up marrying her. One of the things I want you to know that in this story, you can see the heart of David, how quickly he humbled himself. Let me share a couple things about anger that we can get from Scripture. Proverbs 13, 18 says this, He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. That's what David did. He heeded correction. And because of that, God honored him. You know, a lot of times, I, I have tried to correct people many times, to do wait, and you won't believe how people fight against correction. Don't you tell me what to do. All right, I won't. God, he's all yours. She's all yours. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not going to spend time. I'm past. I'm too older. I'm older now that when a person doesn't want to listen or hear, I'm, I'm, I go on to the next person who has ears. Why? Because you can't. People won't hear until they want to hear. And if you want to hear God, you'll be open to be corrected. Listen, I write with red pens. Why? Because I tell God, I still need to be corrected. I'm, I, I'll, be, I'll be first in line. If there's a line, I'm first. I want to be better. First Peter tells us in 5, 5, chapter 5, verse 5, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, all of you, someone say all of you, all of you, close yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Listen, carry a humble heart. You don't have to win every fight. You know, there's so many people, you know, I'm going to fight. You're not going to get that over me. That's the spirit of the world. Today, everybody's fighting. It's my right to fight. <laughs> Tell you. See what that gets them. You've got to fight for the right things. Proverbs 12, 1, look what it teaches us. Whatever, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof, <laughs> what does that word say? He is stupid. <laughs> I love that. Think about it. You know, because if you're not teachable, you're actually hurting yourself. And so the Proverbs tells us, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Why? Because when you're disciplined, you learn something. I'm going to tell you a story that I learned a big lesson. <laughs> I shouldn't tell this story. I really shouldn't because this is not a story to tell. Ah, forget it. Never mind. And uh, now everybody says, no, I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> now, I'll tell you a story that when I was young, I used to steal. And um, I was, had this candy store next to my house called Junior's. And um, I, 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 I love candy like every kid. And my dad, in his top drawer of his bureau, always kept his change. And so one day, I found the change. And I said, Junior's. 
So I made it a habit of going into his room and taking money out, change that he wouldn't, it was never counted. He just threw his change there. And so no one knew for a long time. And I would buy candy for all the kids in the neighborhood. And man, we were having a great time. And so one day, my dad came in the house and he caught me in his room, sort of like with my hand in the cookie jar. But I took it out of the cookie jar just beforehand, closed the door, and he said, what are you doing? I thought, oh, nothing, just looking for something. He said, well, you don't belong in my room. I'm like, yeah, I didn't find it anyhow. And then all of a sudden, I had to make something up. He said, why are you in the house for? And I said, uh, um. And then I dropped to the floor. I went into a crying act. I would have won an Oscar. Uh, went into a crying act, and I put the money that was in my hand, because I had a bunch of change in my hand, underneath a little scattered carpet. And I put it there, and my dad said, I don't see no one outside. Oh, he's a big guy. Dad, he's picking on me, you know. And, you know, well, you go back out there, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay. Well, my dad, of course, wasn't dumb. He saw the whole thing, and he lifted the carpet, and there was money. He realized that little, that little bug is stealing money from me. And so um, I came back in, and he opened the carpet. and says, what's this? Well, what? Um, your money. <laughs> he gave me the biggest beating I have ever had in my life. Let me tell you something. People say, people say, I don't beat my kid. Well, go right ahead. That's what you do. But let me tell you, that changed my life, that beating. I never stole. From this day on, I have never stole a lick. Matter of fact, if I find something on the ground at church, it goes in the offering. I don't, I don't want nothing. If it don't belong to me, it ain't mine. I find $20, it goes in the offering. And someone keeps dropping money in the, in the parking lot and stuff. Big bucks, man, big bucks. You know, thank you for the offerings. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. People say, oh, was something in my wallet? Did I miss something? <laughs> but I learned from that discipline. And you need to realize that whoever loves discipline loves knowledge because I learned a lesson. I really learned a lesson, man. That stealing is wrong, and it is painful. Now, my dad beat me up in, in a bad way. It, I got a beating, okay? Uh, he, he could have been in big trouble <laughs> nowadays. But I'll tell you what, I never stole again. And I, I was glad, I'm gl for now, and even when I was younger, I was glad for that beating. I really was, because it taught me something. Because you know what? Where would I would have gone if... I got away with stealing from my own parents. What else, who else I would have stole from? You know, what store would I stole from? So in a sense, that discipline nipped it in the bud really quick. And it taught me a lesson that it was wrong. And I want you to know that if God's going to discipline you, realize it's out of love. Realize he's trying to teach you something. Don't get so stubborn about it. Don't get so angry about it. Don't get so attitude about it. Realize that God does it because he really wants to help you. And God was helping me. But he who hates reproof is stupid because, see, God says it so straightly there. It's because you're not willing to be teachable. And if you're not going to learn, it's going to cause pain to your life. And that's dumb, to, to bring pain to your life. One more, one more I want to share with you. Proverbs 19, 20. It says, listen to advice. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to listen to you from now on. <laughs> listen, only if it's good, though. Only if it's good and godly. Good and godly. Listen to the advice and accept an instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. 
in the end, you will be wise. I don't know about you, but you, I want you to realize that God will bring people in, in the divine providence to speak into your life and that God wants to bring people to speak in your lives to give you the advice, to, to give you instruction. If you look at Proverbs, it's, it's all about gain instruction, understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. This just doesn't happen. It's a process. I don't know about you, but, um, but every person in life needs an Abigail, a spirit of an Abigail in your life. Someone that can come up to you, speak to you, and you can see that they're, they're for you. They're not against you. They're for you. And when God brings those people in your life, you need to listen. You need to listen to them. You need to understand that they're trying to make you better so you can not live in fear but live triumphant in God. Know that God has your back. Just say it. God has my back. Well, I mean, I got some good news. He has your back. He has your front. He has your underneath you. He's over you. He's before you. He's behind you. He's all over you, the scripture says. He has you, once again, in his arms. And all you have to do, all you have to do is you just walk by faith. Can you stand to your feet? Those online, I don't know where you are, but I want to encourage you that if you have a problem with anger, God gives peace. The only way you can accept peace is first knowing Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace. You're here today, you need to make Jesus your Prince of Peace. That God is really part of your life. That he doesn't just have a compartment, but you have sold out to him. And you just simply say, God, here I am. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. I need you. I need you this day. I need you. Forgive me. Help me. For I so desire to want to be your vessel. Let's pray. Father, I just ask right now that you would touch those online who are watching, those that are here, that they would have an experience with you. I pray, Lord, that if they're struggling in any part of their life through addiction, through difficult situations, through anger, Lord, or, or needing to just have people to come in their lives to be able to speak truth to them. Lord, give them a heart to understand. I pray right now that they would, each person would yield their hearts to you and want more of you. Want more. Want more. They want to listen. They want to learn because they deeply love you, God. And I pray right now, will you do a work? Do a work. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Blessed be his righteous name.